parenting. It's the hardest job we'll ever do. Most of us are tired, stressed, and counting the minutes until bedtime. But what if raising kids could feel just a little lighter? I'm Dr. Hillary, a licensed psychologist and mama of three, and you're listening to the Raised Resilient Podcast, where each week we tackle tough parenting topics, and I help decode behavior and empower you with tools and strategies so that even the hardest moments make more sense. Because parenting is hard, no matter how you do it. But I can help you go from barely surviving to parenting in a way that feels good for you and your child. So warm up your coffee and grab your earbuds. It's time to raise resilient kids. Hey friends, welcome back. I am so glad you're here and that you have found your way to my podcast. And I hope that parenting is starting to feel maybe a little bit lighter as a result of listening. If you're loving what you hear, share this podcast with another parent who needs to hear this message. That would mean the world to me because my goal is to help as many parents as possible, but I think it would also mean a lot to that parent. So thanks for being here and let's jump in. Okay, so I would guess that a lot of you already have your kids home with you from school for the summer. We are about to be in that position as this week... My preschooler graduates from preschool, which is wild. And then two weeks later, my oldest will be on break for, he's in year-round school, so they get a summer. It's a shorter summer. He will be on break in two weeks. So we're about to be there. And it got me thinking, you know, having our kids home for extended periods of time, as we all learned during the pandemic, can be super stressful. And so I wanted to empower you with some tools and strategies and, of course, perspective to support you in supporting your kids and having an awesome summer together. So toward that end, I am doing a four-week summer series. This week, we're going to talk about managing summer boredom and why you don't need to worry about the dreaded academic summer slide or kindergarten readiness, why you can let go of those things and what to focus on instead to help your child truly be ready to go to school in the fall. And then we're also going to talk about just helping your child work through these feelings of boredom, how to set yourselves up for an awesome summer. So that's today. And then next week, we're going to talk about managing screen time because let's be honest, we can't talk about having our kids home for extended periods of time without also talking about screen time. And then the week after that, we're going to talk about encouraging independent play because that is truly one of the most important things kids should be doing when they're home for extended periods of time. And so I'm going to empower you with ways to encourage more of that, which will also in turn allow you to get some things done. So win-win. And then the fourth episode in this four-week summer series is going to be about siblings, managing sibling dynamics and setting siblings up for success when they are home together for the summer. So Now, if you have children who are not school age, this is all still going to be relevant. So hang in there. I'm going to be talking about this through the lens of having our kids home from school for the summer, but this is all going to apply even if your kids are just home with you because they're not yet school age, or if you homeschool, this will all still be helpful. So before we jump into that, I just want to say that, you know, so much of parenting and helping parenting truly feel good. It's about how we see things. It's about how we see ourselves and our role as parents, how we see our kids, especially in challenging moments. And when we can shift how we're seeing things, we can 
respond in ways that are actually helpful, and we can feel good about those responses. So toward that end, I have a free guide for you, Six Mindset Shifts to Transform Your Parenting. These mindset shifts are game changers. And if you commit to practicing these mindset shifts, really making them at the forefront of your mind, your parenting will shift. You will start to feel less overwhelmed and more aligned as a parent. You'll start to feel like you've got this, even when things feel really hard. So grab your copy today, raiseresilient.com forward slash mindset. Okay, so let's jump into managing summer boredom and why we don't need to push academics. I'm going to give you four tips for having an awesome summer with your kids in the context of managing summer boredom. And within that, we're going to talk about why we don't need to push academics and why we can really and truly let that go. Okay. So the first tip for having an awesome summer with your kids is to just let your kids be kids over the summer. So a lot of times I think we can get stressed. We hear messages from all over telling us, if you don't practice academics, your child's going to fall behind, right? We're going to have that summer slide where we lose some of the academic skills we gained in the previous year, and then we don't have those skills when we go back in the fall. I know that feels stressful and I can really relate because my oldest was home for a year and a half during the pandemic. And some of you might be in that same situation, right? Where you had a child who missed out on in the classroom school. My son was in kindergarten when the pandemic hit. So he had one semester in the classroom and then it was virtual. And that second semester of kindergarten, we were all scrambling. The teachers were scrambling. Nobody knew how long we were going to be out. There wasn't a formal virtual curriculum and it was just, here's some work, let's hope for the best because all of us were figuring it out together. And I was nervous. I was really worried that my son, who already was young for his year, was going to fall behind. Even though I know the things that are really important And I'm going to share all of that with you. But even knowing that, I had this fear that he was just going to fall behind and that he was going to struggle all of his grade school years because of this pandemic. And it was really hard when I felt like I had to force him to do work. I would try to get him to read. I would try to get him to do worksheets and write sentences like his teachers had provided for us. And he would fight me every step of the way. It was miserable. And I remember my mom was living with us at the time. She was building a house and she is a retired speech pathologist. So she worked in public schools for 35 years. And she said to me, she said, you don't need to worry about this. It's all going to work out. It's all going to be fine. But I couldn't hear that. I was just so stressed. I kept trying to push reading and writing and doing math because I was so sure that if I didn't, he was going to suffer academically. So let me tell you what actually happened. So he ended up being virtual for the entire first grade year, in addition to that semester in kindergarten. And the kindergarten semester was the worst in the sense that, like I said, nobody knew what we were doing yet. But first grade was also not great because it was virtual. And so when there were assignments, I was the one having to get him to do those assignments. 
Most kids are more willing to do this stuff for their teachers, and then they come home and fall apart with their parents after a stressful day at school. This is the whole after-school meltdown. Well, in this case, I was both parent and teacher, and so it was so stressful. And honestly, I just kind of gave up at some point during the year, especially that was when I had our third child, and I was seeing virtual therapy clients, and I just, I said, you know what? Well, he's just going to do what he's going to do. And whatever. I can't stress about this anymore. So kind of by default, I just let it happen. I stopped pushing the academics. I let him do his thing. And here's what happened. So he went back into the classroom this year for second grade. And at the beginning of second grade, he still was not loving reading, not loving academics, but being back in the classroom, I think was really good. He was on grade level. He was doing fine, but there was no excitement. There was just a lot of getting, getting it done, going through the motions. Well, at some point this year, everything kind of clicked for him. He discovered a love of reading completely on his own. I mean, his teachers encouraged it. We encouraged and supported it, but truly I did not push it. I I gave that up. And so to see him discover a love of reading on his own has been magical. This kid legit ran into a chair at school the other day because he had his nose in a book. And he thought that was hilarious. And of course, we all laughed about it. But that's that's this kid. He loves reading so much that he ran into a chair while reading in the classroom. And he's in his bed with flashlights and a stack of books every single night. He can't get enough. And his reading scores have just gone off the charts. And I had nothing to do with that. And his teachers pushing the academic curriculum had nothing to do with that. He discovered a love of reading and his skills caught up as a result. Now, I know not every kid is going to love reading. I know for some kids there there are barriers, learning differences that can make reading challenging. But here's what the research says. The research says that most kids actually catch up to each other, even kids who came into school with wild academic abilities. By about third, fourth grade, these kids even out and they catch up to each other, meaning that there's no real advantage to pushing academics before school. So this is where we get into the whole kindergarten readiness piece. And I will say too, in one semester of kindergarten, My son entered kindergarten not reading at all. I didn't push academics because I know this stuff. I know that pushing academics before kids go to kindergarten doesn't really help. So he entered kindergarten not reading. He knew some things. He knew the sound and symbol matching, but that was about it. And again, I didn't teach him that. That's what he picked up along the way. And he came home one semester of kindergarten and he was reading. His teachers were amazing. They did that. I didn't do that, right? And he, he did that. They did that together. So I never pushed academics. And yet, even with only one semester at school, he picked it up. And that's actually what the research says is true for most kids. So what really matters before kids start school? What really matters for kindergarten readiness? Well, social skills, emotion regulation, and language skills. Those are the three biggest predictors of academic success. So 
When you're thinking about getting your child ready to go to kindergarten or to go back to school after having a summer off, the best thing you can do are the things you're already doing, allowing space for feelings, speaking to your child respectfully, modeling healthy and respectful social interactions. These are the things that are going to get your child the furthest. So now let's talk a little bit about the summer slide and the research specifically around that, because I know even hearing this, you might still be a little bit worried about that. But the research actually says that the summer slide affects only a small percentage of kids. And the kids it does affect, the loss of skills is usually pretty small. Most of the time, kids gain the skills back no problem. And here's the coolest part. The research found that having books in your household is what we call a protective factor against the summer slide. So what a protective factor is, is some factor that actually lessens the impact of the summer slide or makes it less likely that that will actually affect your child. So it's exactly what it sounds like. It's something that protects your child against a negative outcome. And in this case, that negative outcome would be the loss of academic skills. So they found that just having books in your household, notice they didn't say, forcing your child to read 10 books a day. They said having books in your household is a protective factor. So go to the library with your child. Pick out books that your child is excited about. If your child doesn't want to read to you, that's okay. Read to your child. Just having books around and having a positive relationship with books is enough to protect your child against having this summer slide. So if you're going to do anything, do that. And then other than that, let the academics go. Now, of course, my disclaimer here is that if your child's teacher or your child's provider has a special plan for your child, that there's work that they need to be doing that you've already discussed, of course, follow that plan. But outside of that, let it go. Enjoy the summer with your child and let your kids be kids over the summer. Here's the thing. What kids really, really need is to play. They need unstructured, open-ended playtime. Piaget said that play is the work of childhood, and I want you to start to look at it like that. Play is not this nice to have. It's actually what kids are meant to be doing. It's how they learn about the world. And that's a huge criticism of the education system, at least here in the United States, is that there's so much focus on structure and academics that kids don't get enough time to play and experiment and just be in the world, right? So over the summer, you can let that happen. You can create space for play. So that's the most important thing over the summer is to let your kid be a kid, spend time outside, spend time with family, spend time with friends, and just let your child play. Like I said, in two weeks, I'm going to do a whole episode on encouraging independent play, but play is the thing to focus on. So you can let go of the rest. Okay. So my second tip on managing summer boredom and having an awesome summer with your kids is this. Don't be afraid of boredom. It's just a feeling, just like any other feeling. And remember, as parents, it's not our job to fix feelings. So it's not our job to fix boredom any more than it is our job to fix sad or mad feelings. 
If your kids are home with you this summer, remember this. It's not your job. It's never been your job to entertain them. I'm going to say that again. It is not your job to entertain your child. It's your child's job to entertain themselves. Now you can create an environment that's conducive to that. You can set things up with a structure that is conducive to that. But outside of that, it is your child's job to entertain themselves. It's your job to ensure safety, make sure that your child's needs are met, but it is their job to entertain themselves. So stop worrying about boredom. Let it happen. Here's the thing. When we allow boredom, boredom is a springboard for creativity and independent play. And when we are constantly fixing boredom, our kids never feel what it feels like to be bored. And then from there, to come up with some idea about something new to try. If we don't let that happen, we are stifling our kids' creativity. So let your child be bored. You can say something to the effect of, I know it is hard to feel bored. I really get that. I feel bored sometimes. But you know what? When I feel bored, sometimes I just let myself be bored and then I come up with something that I want to try to do. And I can't wait to see what you decide to do next, right? So you're validating the feeling, you're identifying with your child, sharing a story of sameness, but you're not fixing it. You're letting the boredom be. And that is so, so important. Our mindset around boredom has to shift so that our kids can feel free to feel bored and then take that as a springboard into creative and independent play. Okay, so my third tip for having an awesome summer and managing summer boredom, have a loose routine, but don't overschedule. So by overscheduling, I'm talking about, okay, at 9.15, we're painting, and then at 9.30, we're baking, and at 10 o'clock sharp, we're going to the pool, right? We, you probably saw this at the beginning of the pandemic. All of these schedules came out, right? There were all of these very detailed, color-coded, beautiful schedules all over Instagram and Pinterest. And don't get me wrong, during the pandemic, we had an indefinite amount of time that our kids were going to be home with us and we needed to create some structure. But here's the thing, that's going to be true over the summer too. Structure is not the same as having a very rigid schedule. So a loose routine is what you want to aim for. Because here's the thing, kids need downtime. They need to build the skill of managing unstructured time. And if we structure every second, they never get a chance to do that. This is a skill that's going to serve them for life. At some point, they're going to be a teenager. They're going to be a young adult living on their own. They need to know how to manage unstructured time. We don't want them to feel anxious and not sure what to do with themselves when they don't have a rigid schedule. So kids need downtime both for self-care and to build that skill. So when I say a loose routine, think something like this, and this does not have to be your routine. This is just an example. But loose routine would be something like wake up, eat, you have a block of playtime, a block of outside time, lunch, a little bit of screen time, maybe you go to the pool, you come home and have more playtime, and then dinner and bedtime. That kind of a loose routine is going to allow for when fun opportunities come up, you can go and do them, right? Or 
some days you might have a thunderstorm so you can't go to the pool. So then you, you pick something else during that time, right? But it's a loose routine that allows for flexibility. So that's super important. And my fourth and final tip is don't over plan either. How many times have you said, oh my gosh, I want to make this the best summer ever with my kids. And you create this summer bucket list with all the things and you get to maybe half of them if you're really doing well, sometimes less, right? Because life. And then we can feel like we're failing and we can feel like we're missing out and like everything is going so fast and that we didn't enjoy it. When really, that's not true. When we over plan, it just stresses us out. And our kids feel that stress and they pick up on it. Our kids are going to remember so much more the energy and the atmosphere in our home than they are the specific activities we did. Don't get me wrong. I am not saying don't make memories together, but I am saying let go of this need to have this Pinterest perfect summer. You can truly just enjoy time together. And that can be simple and that can be in your own home. It doesn't have to mean anything extravagant. But I also get the desire to have some fun memory-making experiences. So here's something you can try. Have each family member pick one activity that really is important to them. So for example, I asked my oldest, I said, what's one thing you really want to do this summer? And he said, I want to go to a water park. And I said, okay, we will make that happen. So let your kids know your constraints ahead of time, right? If a water park or a trip to Disney is not in the budget, let them know that. Maybe it's something as simple as an afternoon together at the pool or going to see a certain movie. But ask each family member to contribute one thing that they really want to do this summer and then do your best to make those things happen instead of having this long summer bucket list. And then of course, allow feelings of disappointment if one of those things can't happen. You can try to make up for it by doing something different, right? But don't get lost in trying to make it the perfect summer because remember, Our kids are going to remember the atmosphere and the energy in our home and not so much the specific activities that we did. If we are so stressed that we can't connect with our kids, right, because we're trying to have this perfect summer, then we kind of miss the point. So just focus on a small handful of activities and the rest of the time, let your kids be kids and just enjoy each other. So... I hope this is helpful. I hope this new spin on boredom and the fact that it's not your job to entertain your child feels empowering. I am going to help you think about how to encourage more independent play specifically, not next week, but the week after. Next week, I'm going to talk about managing screen time over the summer. So that's an episode you're definitely not going to want to miss. And then independent play and then siblings. So this four-week summer series, I hope is going to help you feel ready to have an awesome summer with your kids. As always, if you have questions, you can reach out at raisedresilient.com forward slash questions, and I will catch you next week. If your child's meltdowns are stressing you out, I've got you. My complete guide to meltdowns will walk you through exactly what's going on and how to help so that next time your child melts down, you can feel confident. Download your copy today for free at raisedresilient.com slash grow. And if you enjoyed the show today, please share this episode and leave a review. Let's spread the word about raising resilient kids. Thanks for listening. And until next time, we've 
got this. <laughs>